So in season five of Franchise Findings, we're gonna to continue to go through some of the most popular franchises in the United States and globe. Also, we're going through some emerging franchise concepts that have anywhere from two, five, hundred locations throughout the United States growing and looking to take on the world with their franchise system. We continue to interview founders of franchises as well as franchisees. So a lot of information for you. Hope you enjoy season five of Franchise Findings. Patrick Fendaro here, co-founder at Vetted Biz. Very excited to have on Dave Hansen, who's the president of Client Tether. He's going to talk about franchise data from a different point of view, franchise development, um, also on the franchise operation sides, franchise unit level. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the industry trends, data there, also about sales automation and, and how that's changing and how franchisee, franchises need to adapt um, and use the best software out there to increase their uh, unit level economics for, for the franchisees as well as to recruit franchisees and, and recruit franchisees at a higher conversion rate. So we'll be going on a lot of uh, different topics. Dave joined the firm uh, four years back. And uh, with Dave, or potentially coincidence, the client tethers 10x uh, over the last four years. Uh, the company was founded eight years ago. But that's enough me talking about Dave and client tether. And why don't uh, Dave, uh, you, you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you what drew you to, to Client Tether. Uh, well, thanks for having me on, Patrick. I appreciate the intro. Um, you know, Client, Client Tether is a, a great, a great and a unique company where we're disrupting kind of a traditional thought process in the franchising space. So we, we can. I don't want this to be like a soft pitch or anything, but uh, what drew me to it is is actually the founder. Uh, he's a friend of mine, Conrad Kolba. He founded you know Five Star Painting, Five Star Franchising back in the day and exited prior Dwyer prior to the Dwyer uh, acquisition, but really bright mind, fantastic operator, great uh, great vision of how things can be done to streamline processes. And he, he exited that organization and group that he had founded and then founded his own franchise system and client tethers at the time, about eight years ago. So uh, when he and I, the short version of the story is we're at a Boy Scout camp and our two oldest boys are the same age. And he told me he had a technology company. I was like, oh, I thought you did franchising and painting and stuff like that. So that I, I just got really curious and then gave him some advice. He's like, why don't you come help me? And I was, I was like, no, I got, I got, I'm running a translation company right now. I'm good. And it, it was kind of funny, but it just the, the concept of what he was doing, I identified in that conversation around a burning down fire in the middle of the wilderness that he had built a technology platform that I wished I had had running multiple sales teams for the last like 15 years. And so I was super intrigued by the tech that he'd put together. And uh, you know, obviously I'm here. So eventually we found a good pathway for me to exit what I was doing there. And, and I've been really thrilled with what we've been able to build here. And it seems like a trend in franchising. Like you look at the Goliaths, like um, Burger King that have spent millions of dollars on, on their technology, McDonald's, um, Chipotle, even though it's on a franchise, a major uh, restaurant brand. And then even the service brands that have like 3000 plus locations they invest millions of dollars into their technology but there's a lot of franchise brands that don't have millions of dollars to commit to creating their own system and own app and um i think that's probably a nice niche for for client tether where you know there's not that upfront cost of having your, your own developing everything super unique to your your needs from a crm and sales automation space so 
we're about to hear a little bit about like the market that you play in and, and the, the type of uh, franchisors that you guys work with. Yeah, well, it's funny you bring that up because the, the reason, if we look at the landscape of franchising and, and technology, uh, generally speaking, most technology wasn't designed to function within a multi-tier or like a parent-child data structure. And so you mentioned like people, people are investing. I know, I know people have written seven figure checks to try to make tools that were designed for pharmaceutical, high-end technology sales tools that are great tools in the right space, uh, like, uh, like Salesforce or HubSpot or uh, Infusionsoft. I have, to, I have to check myself. I heard a bunch of people call it Confusionsoft and I got stuck. So I tried <laughs> to say that uh, intentionally, but you know, like these big box CRMs are great tools. If you have you know, a multinational sales organization with 200 plus people, it's all the same entity, business entity, and, uh, and you've, you've got to manage highly complex sales processes to executive stakeholders with teams of 15 buyers. That's what those are designed for. Uh, I know I've, I've been in those industries. I've used them. I've been an admin of several of those tools uh, for over a decade. Uh, but when you come into franchising, it's got enterprise level complexity, but every unit has to be represented by a separate instance. And so they're not designed to support it. And so you, you find people writing seven figure checks to essentially recode, unraveled and redesigned tools like Salesforce. And not because they're bad tools, but they're just it's like trying to use a sledgehammer to do finishing nailing work. It, it's, it's just not the right tool for the job. Yeah, and I imagine also like there should be there's privacy concerns and like what the franchisee has access to, what the franchisor has access to, what the end customer of anything rolls out to them that yeah. is pretty unique in that franchisee franchisor relationship. hundred percent. That's that's why they spend so much trying to redesign them. But if you have a tool, and, and this is you know, promise I won't be pitching a lot, but like Client Tether was designed by a franchisor who knew that problem and solved it, and so. Out of the box, we can do you know the data architecture, data segregation, like all the reporting and stuff that, that they're spending millions of dollars to build with big enterprises, and uh, and you know they're spending twelve to eighteen months to build it out. And for us, it's like well, that was twelve to eighteen minutes to roll it out. It's it's, it's just that we designed it for it, and so it's that's one reason why I think uh, you know you see the rapid growth. We're we're quickly climbing the the franchise uh, you know rankings on Entrepreneur Magazine, passing up guys like. Brand Connect and, and Salesforce because people are recognizing, oh, somebody built it. I don't have to go and you know, invest in, in trying to recreate it myself. And it's niche. I mean, you, you can't be amazing at everything. So you guys chose your niche and you're, you're conquering it. So that's awesome. And I mean, I, how I see you, you solve issues for the franchise development folks as well as, you know, franchise operations at helping improve the unit level economics of franchisees. Maybe we could talk a little bit about just franchise development. How has that changed over the last four years? Like what, what changes are you seeing with working alongside all your clients? Yeah, great question. It's funny because it's changed a lot. And there are a lot of old stigmas that I see people still clinging to in the franchise sales space, whether it's a consultant group or an FSO or it's a franchisor. Um, one, lead volumes, they go up pretty fast. and Quality, quality, I'd say, generally has declined a little bit as volume's gone up, which tends to be kind of the economics of it. But it's put a lot of people in a position where either they need to hire more bodies to try to engage these leads in a more meaningful way, or they've got to find other ways to be creative and engage them rapidly. Uh, I see data pouring into the industry that's super like, I read it and I'm like, how is anyone buying this? But they say things like, well, you got to reach out to your leads within four hours. And I say, that's what people used to teach in 1985. Like that's insane. Yeah. If we see 
what, what should it be? 30 seconds and you uh, get a text or email? Oh, yeah, as fast as it can be uh, because it's highly competitive. Like buyers are getting smarter The true buyers. There are a lot of tire kickers. They're all just as ignorant as they were before. But the true buyers, they've got more resources, more access to data. Uh, they've got folks like Vetted Biz who are putting data out in front of them now, which makes it less obscure to find information about franchise opportunities. And so now they're coming more informed, but that also means they're usually co comparing you as a brand to like two, three, four, five other concepts where it wasn't as easy to do that before. Now they can jump on even a tool like, let's say, you know, Franchise Gator, and they can find a whole bunch of info about other concepts in that space. And then, then they're, so now, more educated buyers with with a higher, high, more highly competitive sales cycle are hitting our franchise uh, sales teams and consultants and FSOs, which means they've got to engage differently than they did before. And also media, like the the channels through which they communicate. Five years ago, email and phone call was was what you would do. Now, text messaging is king. Like you have to be able to engage people through that that platform, that 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 channel of comms, or else. The speed to which you'll communicate or with which you'll communicate and the, the engagement rates just they're, they're dropping in those other channels and like what's a what's the success say you get a hundred leads and it's a combination of paying it through franchise portals through your your own website through all different channels for every hundred leads can you expect to close one or do you need 200 leads to close one one sign franchisee, like what's like a good, what's like a good metric? This is one of the pieces of data that when I first came to this industry and, uh, and we had people, we had franchise consultants and franchise developers coming to us because we were working primarily focusing on the unit level operations with our platform. They started approaching me and saying, hey, why do my franchisees have way better sales technology than I do? Uh, <laughs> they're selling, they're selling, you know, carpet cleaning. I'm selling 40, you know, $60,000 franchises. Can I use this tool? And that's kind of how we started to, to bleed over into franchise sales uh, with a lot of success. But but the uh, what was what I found astounding is that the the conversion rate like for a closed deal was like one percent, or they're like, hey, it could be half a percent. That's cool. And I've never worked in an industry across many industries yeah. where that was normal or okay. So um, <laughs> so I, but I'll, I'll answer your question now. Like what 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 you see in industry trends. I have some clients that hover around that, but most of them are notably higher, 50% higher than that. I do have one client we did a case study with where they rehashed old dead leads. And I'm going to put that in air quotes because that's common, right? People say, well, we spent the money on the lead. They didn't respond. So they're dead. So she's it's a big decision, you know, signing a contract for 10 years. Right. Most of them don't even get to that point, right? These are just people that maybe never responded to their emails because they just put them in some generic drip campaign or something. But uh, this client of ours was fairly new to our platform and she said, I want to take a bunch of these old dead leads and I want to drop them in a rehash campaign with texting, with calling, with emailing. Uh, she had a, she had a massive conversion rate. Like it was 3x the industry average. So about have almost 3% conversion of dead leads using a proper rehash strategy versus what everyone's getting, uh, you know, and these, these national averages you're seeing from other folks reporting success rates. So three percent conversion. That that means, so you're you send a hundred, you put a hundred people in the sales automation. Um, you get ten meetings, and then three people are are signed candidates. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's great. That's yeah, killer data. But it's about it's about synergies, right? You know, automation is great. Everyone's been automating emails since since I was selling stuff. You know, since the you know early two thousands. But email automation stopped being effective around a year after it started because then everyone's inboxes got flooded. 
but there's synergy. Email's not a waste. It's just you need to synergize it with a phone call, with a text message. You send someone an email and you send them a text afterward, open rates go through the roof. You text somebody first and then you call them within two minutes. Answer rates go up 40% on a phone call. And so so the sales automation process, it's more about how do you create synergy across the different channels so that I can maximize my human capacity into outcomes that create revenue and success for your organization. That, that's what we find people are missing a lot of times. And as they're evaluating, how do I automate stuff is, is making sure you're using all the right channels and you're crossing them enough so that they can synergize with each other. What channel um, has the highest conversion rate? Is there like a particular channel that that leads that come from this, like across different franchise brands, just convert at a super high rate? Uh, well, so direct leads, uh, the leads that are coming to your website where someone fills out a form, if they're not converting higher than everything else, then you're doing something wrong. Uh, or, or you need to put a captcha on that form and get rid of the junkie, junk leads. That should be your best converting leads. Well, referrals should should be the best. And I'll, I'll tell you this, most franchise brands are not hitting up their new franchisees for referrals. That's like your hottest referral source. It's to, fresh. fresh. They're happy. They're telling all their, they should be telling all their friends. Maybe they're not. Yeah. So, so that's by far the best. And then, then usually the direct, direct leads that come to your website and fill out your form. They've already done research. They've already read your content. They've said, yep, this is, feels like a fit. Uh, beyond that, uh, there tends to be a little bit of variability across all of them. I mean, portal leads, people go there a lot. Uh, I, I find LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn source leads tend to perform a little better. You tend to find more informed buyers. They tend to be a little more professional. Facebook leads can be good. Portal leads can be good. The pre-screen portal leads, I, te- I tend to perform better, but you pay more. So, you know, uh, without naming folks, there are a couple of groups that do that pretty well, I would say. Um, but again, I, I'll hear three people praise them and one person curse them. And to be frank, most of the time, the people cursing a lead source are the ones that aren't following up effectively. So they'll never know if it was good or bad. Following up effectively, or maybe their product's just not as good. And not as compelling for the environment, no? Yeah, or it's a mismatch, right? Because a lot of portals, a lot of folks coming through the portals, they they have lower uh, cash thresholds to invest. They're not quite as as liquid and as ready to invest in like a restaurant concept. But they're attracted to the restaurant concept. Like, yeah, I don't own a restaurant. I've got forty five thousand dollars to invest. And you're like, you want like a wiener schnitzel in a truck? Like, what? You you can't yeah. buy. You can't build out and buy a. You can't license. No way. So. Uh, I find that's a mismatch too. Like restaurant QSR concepts that start buying portal leads, like these are crap. You say, yeah, because they're not your people. You need to generate your own leads if you want your people. And how about the franchise conferences, events? Those are really starting to pick up. It seemed like with COVID for two years, there were no franchise events, but now there's a ton of franchise expos. How do those leads do? Uh, you know, those those have, it depends on the expo and the concept and also the person in the booth a little bit. Okay. So, so variability, but so I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say, uh, and, and I mean this in no disrespectful way at all. If you send, let's say a middle-aged guy it's just wearing a polo, sitting behind a table at one of those events. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know. Don't read into it too much, everybody. Just it's like not you know, you've seen the guy, right? He's almost hiding behind the table. It creates a barrier of engagement. Um, so people that don't work the shows properly, their leads are okay. They, you know, they'll get people to sign up. Or they'll try to mass mail like the the registration list with moderate to weak success. But the people that show, <laughs> the people that show up, and I'm going to call out a group here, uh, Painting Bros. Do you know them at all? Super talented yeah. crew. They go, they're not big yet. They're actually here. I, I live in Utah. They're based up the road. They're, their founder's related to our founder, uh, cool. cousin or something, I forget, nephew. 
But uh, sharp guy, tall, good-looking guy. He's got a, a very sharp, dynamic marketing gal that comes with him to the shows. They engage people. They're fun. They have meaningful conversations at the booth before they start creating leads. They're going to have a much better success rate with, with their okay. leads. So it kind of depends on how you gather the leads at the shows. But I, I know people that do very well with them. And then, Dave, do does your do you personally or your team help your franchise development clients with, like, the copy? Because I understand where you guys can really excel on the science aspect and like when you time a message and just having it super seamless. But how about the copy aspect? Who, who does that? That's a great question. It depends if they've got the resources and the know-how or they're willing to be coached. Uh, I spend some time with bigger brands because you know bigger brands have more resources, right? Like if you're talking to Heather McLeod over at Authority Brands, like she's got teams of people that can do awesome stuff. They don't need my team to make copy recommendations. However, I'll always still offer some coaching on copies, tone changes from like marketing copy to sales copy. Often I find people struggle with that, but most brands don't have those resources or the, the brain power uh, of Heather. They, they, need, they need more uh, guidance. And we, have, we can do two things, coach them, create templates like for them and let them fill in the content. Or we actually have content development pros that can, can guide, can actually write it for them. So it's, they, they do need help typically, especially emerging brands, because it's like a founder that successfully built uh, plumbing or painting or roofing or whatever concept, a childcare gym concept. They're generally not copy specialists and even sales specialists. And that's that's kind of what we specialize in. Yeah, I imagine especially the folks that come from like the product background that were product specialists, like they probably lack that sales and marketing acumen. And maybe the hired staff they bring in like doesn't also like specialize in copy and they're better at certain things. So yeah. I can definitely see that. So we've talked a bit about the, the franchise development folks and how they can clearly benefit from a better system in place with the top copy and they're gonna convert their dead leads, which are just people that are, you know, in, in their should be in their CRM with, with client or another platform and they're re-engaging or from specific channels. How about more helping the, the franchise operation folks and getting their unit level economics up for the uh, the franchisees, which I believe that's how clients had really got their start. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of our, our core, right, of where, where we started. Well, you and I both know, I, we were talking recently about franchise consulting, right? And like, and even the franchise sales process and how much it depends upon data. And so a lot of franchise systems they are they're they're they all want to improve unit level economics and yet they don't really know how and they don't even know what their unit level economics are uh, that they could improve you know they don't know what their benchmarking is comparative analyses across locations and so uh, th this is an area where we tend to we tend to see a lot of need with franchises and I mean set aside the fact that they need a quality CRM that's designed for unit level operations in franchising set aside the fact that they need sales automation at the local level. Let's just talk about data first. Key things that they need to understand are how, do, how are my units performing on lead volume? A lot of franchisors, if you ask them, what lead sources are your franchisees getting lead volume from? They wouldn't have any idea. They would just know, well, these are the ones that we sent to them from our corporate marketing partners that manage the corporate websites. But then and they don't know who closes at what rate. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a black box to them. It's it's okay. total total. So black you'd be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars of like the ad fund without knowing what what actually works. Or you hear people say it, but you're only hearing from three out of the fifty plus franchisees. Yep, it's anecdotal. You're you're spot on. They don't realize I've got of my fifty franchise units. I didn't realize that forty nine of them were spending 
$1,000 to $2,000 a month on Angie leads or on Thumbtack leads or on, on uh, you know, local home shows. Or like they have no idea where the leads are coming from. And they also, even the leads that they send through that come through SEO and PPC that they try to centralize uh, to manage the scale of costs and keep it consistent, they have no idea what happens to those leads. And so like you, they, I, I, this happens fairly frequently. We'll roll something out and then I'll have a franchisor that says, hey, Dave, something's wrong in Montgomery, Alabama. And I'll say, what do you mean? Well, I don't think it's working. So we'll look at it. Then we'll go in the system. And for the first time in their lives, I, I will show them why Montgomery, Alabama is struggling with lead conversion. And they'll, and they'll be because they didn't follow up with the leads. They're not responding to the text messages that are coming back into them from our automation. Or they, you know, they, they're not making their follow-up calls. They're canceling all their phone calls, right? So they're... they're uh, the data that the franchisors really need to drive and support local behaviors and training and find out, t- find top performers. Let's say, you know, Montgomery, Alabama is the worst at lead schedule rates, but they're the best at closing. Franchisors don't generally know that information, so they can't even harness the true power of a franchise, right? The power of the franchise is like-minded, same business model, different markets, so there's no competition. Let's now harness the collective genius of the group. And, and there's, I can show you one dashboard where you could see the best and worst performers across categories and then say, I want Bob to train in the next, you know, next power up call about how to set an appointment. Cause you, I have guys that are scheduling all, all of their leads collectively, 90 plus percent of all of their digital leads. That's nuts. Uh, that's, you know, sometimes 8x above industry average, but you want to find that person, that guy or gal, and you want to harness whatever process they're following and then make that the standard and continually evolve the system and make everyone better and better. There's a lot there. I mean, like, how do you distinguish between marketing and sales? Because, like, I'm, for our organization, but it is, I'm, I'm responsible for that and strategy. How do you, how do you break it down? Like, where, do you, do you have a definition of where it becomes more sales and when the marketing's, you know, their job's done? Yeah, and part of that, I think the question on your is probably coming from the fact that there's a lot of marketing automation tools that want to drip leads and then create sales quali- or marketing qualified leads to hand to sales. Yeah. Um, ours, I would say, generally speaking, when someone's filled out a form, you've got a lead that's come in, they've kind of pre-selected themselves and said, hey, I want to know more. Generally speaking, I'd say skip the MQL step and, and let the system follow up and engage with the sales copy, the sales process. I mean, tend to have better uh, engagement rates because there's more immediacy. Uh, often what happens with marketing automation, because it's all just email uh, is, or maybe they're trying to retarget and things, is someone says, hey, I want to know more. And then they get some generic emails that are clearly not from a human. They're from a, a, a marketing tool. They're all HTMLified. So they're beautiful emails. You can hang on your wall and get, <laughs> get an award from the AMMA. Like, but guess what? It doesn't engage a user. It's impersonal. And so they marketing sometimes will cool down the lead for a week or two until someone's like, yeah, I'm still interested. And then they'll turn it into an, S, uh, an MQL and pass it off. Uh, not the way people want to engage anymore, man. That's that's very, very 1990s focused. Uh, I, tend, <laughs> I tend to find people that are doing that are still caught up. They're usually about 45 to 60. So they kind of grew okay. up in that era and they're stuck in that mindset. But someone nowadays, like they're impatient. Uh, they're expecting immediacy. They're also between the ages. A lot of the people getting services now are buying franchises are between the ages of like 40 and, and 28. You know, they're younger than they used to be. So they're, 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 if they send you a message like, hey, I want to know more about this, like they're waiting for the answer, you know, because yeah. they're used to everything coming so fast. So 
cooling them off like that is a surefire way to make sure you're operating below or at industry average of 1% conversion <laughs> rate. And how about um, marketing agencies? Like I could see if someone doesn't have their ego in check, like you stepping on their toes and like being like upset. But then like if I was running a marketing, marketing agency, I would be like, this is awesome. Like this is going to help my other clients because they come to me with sales ask. And it's great that we can like, we can focus more on the copier or certain things like ads, like choosing the ads and, and, and the marketing campaigns. So how, how is that interaction? Uh, do you do work with marketing agencies? Tons. Yeah. Some of our best partners are our marketing agencies. We work with guys you know, like, like MJ at Top Fire, Graham at 919, like, you know, uh, Rocket Barn, Scorpion, like they love working with us. And here's the dichotomy, the paradox of marketing agencies, an emerging brand. Let's say they they say, hey, I need to work with you. Fill in the blank. Any of the folks I just mentioned, marketing agencies that are awesome. Can you help me with my friend of marketing? They say, of course, here's our tool set. We've done it for these 400 people already. Here's our track record. Let's go. So they plug them into the engine. So week one, they get 10 leads. Week two, they get 15 leads. Week three, they get 20 leads. Well, after week three, they have so many leads and so many follow-ups they're trying to do. They cannot, they cannot keep on top of all the leads. And so that, but then the leads keep coming in at a higher and higher rate. And eventually, because they're not following up effectively with the leads, the owners or the people rather than say, well, what are we doing wrong? How come these aren't converting? They say the lead quality must be bad because I'm not converting as many as I thought. Um, to total, total misunderstanding of the process. And so, um, so they love us because they can plug their automation, this lead flow into a system that will automatically follow. And then the conversion rates stay, they maintain high conversion rates, even as they scale the volume. And so they retain customers better. Customers have better ROI on their marketing spend. So they spend more. So we tend to be a really good one, two combo with marketing partners because they, they need someone to help make sure the leads convert and they get ROI. And that's that's part of yeah, what Yeah, they could lose their client. They're they're delivering their end of the deal, their end of the bargain. And if the client's not closing deals and they don't have the, the sales process, then mm -hmm. it's kind of a waste for, for everyone. Yeah, you're right. I had a one one specialty marketing partner that does uh, home home service marketing on Facebook and generate leads. Uh, they generate, you know, fifty to hundred leads a month per client. Mm -hmm. And they rolled our platform out as, as a blend of theirs, kind of a white label solution uh, to every one of their clients. And they cut their churn, their, cut their client churn rate in half the next month. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it it feels like a flex and a brag, but just, just to show like it doesn't have to be us. Like if you can find someone that can do it, we do great. But you have to have a process to support the marketing or else these poor franchise owners and they're trying to do friend up or the local unit level. It's not scalable and they can't consistently deliver the right methodology to follow up with the lead, which means their conversion rates are going to struggle. They'll, they'll do this and usually kind of on a downward trend as the volumes go up. Do you see any other functional like heads that you can serve, like a CEO or the president of the brand that's more on the operations and then you have the, the head of franchise development generally? And I can see how you really serve them well in their capacities. Are there other folks that you're currently serving or that you plan to roll out like with your product roadmap in, in, in the coming months or years that you might be tapping into? Uh, there, I mean, there's a lot. We have a lot of folks that are starting to use us for franchise operations. I mean, to be clear, we're not we're not uh, doing build outs and territory checks and some of the cool stuff. But most people are managing those things in other platforms anyway because they want a specialty tool. They want... They're trying to build market, micro architecture back into their flow. Um, 15, 20 years ago, everyone's like, let's build all in one tools, kind of the, you know, 
um, one, one, one ring to rule them all to make a, a Tolkien reference, right? And, and everyone then realized, ah, none of these are good enough. Like they're great at one right. thing and then they've bolted on a bunch of garbage. So, um, and I don't mean to be disrespectful of any platforms, but they're an API. Well, it's, it's, like, it's like that's with technology or an advisor, like a law firm that does everything, corporate, tax, immigration, trust in it. Yeah, everything. Like usually they're not going to do one thing like super well. Yeah, your docketing system isn't going to be your scheduling tool for the front desk clerk, right? Like usually not. You, you, the all-in-ones <laughs> are scary uh sometimes so what we find more and more people doing is a trend is they're saying i need the best in breed sales automation tool and now we're sliding a lot more into the franchise engagement op automation as well so they're building pipelines on our platform to visualize where are all of my people in the onboarding flow and here's my automation to make sure i don't lose track of bob as he's you know two weeks away from a store grand opening and we're automating things like sending checklists and following up with this sending a video to train them on how to do xyz and, and those things, we're starting to shift more into that space because, again, people are organically saying, hey, wait a minute, I can, our team over here wants to use you because they're seeing the effect over there. So it's kind of an organic flow into that direction. But I don't know if we'll ever quite try to take on all of the boring tedium of franchise operations management. But a lot of the engagement side, the franchise engagement, that's definitely an area we're moving. Very cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to pretty manual process right now or with with technology platforms that aren't meant to do what they're trying to do. So I can definitely see that. Need. Are there any closing thoughts for a franchise word that maybe they're looking at a few different sales automation providers or, or why, you know, they shouldn't just rely on like a big company like HubSpot to just do everything for them? Uh, yeah, a couple of a couple of thoughts is fine. You've got to find the partners that know your space. Uh, and, and that's true of any technology, anything. If you're doing payment processing, you're looking for bookkeeping or like for heaven's sakes, like work with people that know the space. I, I've got a, a client that they didn't take my advice and they built a, a website on, on some platform that was not going to be very handy for for managing franchise locations as they grew. They're paying the price for it. It's not because I'm smart. Smarter than anyone else. It's just because I've seen it before. I'm like, no, no, you know, here are my partners that do web development for franchising. Work with one of them, please. Uh, don't do this. And they worked with the local guy, <laughs> told them on Squarespace, and good heavens, like, don't build on that platform if you're in franchising. So I would just say find people that specialize in what you do, that can add ancillary value, that, that are experts in, in what you need to focus on. And I would also say look toward more of a micro architecture structure, like, what is the function I'm trying to solve? And then find the tool that's right for that function that also plays nice with other tech. Um, that we've, we've, we've spent a lot of time and money to make sure we play well because we don't want to be everything to everyone. I don't care to. Uh, we'd rather be the best at what we do. And so we, so we try to make sure that our platform can receive data, can push data out, good APIs that are open, and, 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 and also webhooks. Those are things that I would advise people to look at across any technology decision in franchising is make sure you're finding the one that's best for you that has experience in franchising and that plays nice with others because nobody can do it all well. Yeah, well said, Dave. Well, this has been a blast. It was good to be on your podcast where it was a different topic. And then this one was awesome. I learned a ton that I can apply to my business. I know you guys focus on like where it's the multi-unit structure, um, parent and child relationship. But a lot of the things that you shared today is relevant for any business owner as, as they manage their business. and marketing and sales process. So Dave, it was awesome to have you on and really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Patrick. I appreciate the chance to be on. 
I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. You can leave us a review if you enjoyed the podcast episode. If you hated the podcast episode, let us know what you thought as well as what future episodes you'd like to hear. Feel free to also drop me a line at patrick at vettedbiz.com and subscribe please to our YouTube channel, Business and Franchise Opportunities by Vetted Biz. This has been Franchise Findings Podcast. Thanks for listening.